You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. I want to start uh, this message with an introduction that is going to be also a seek first update for us. You've been tracking with us the last several months. We have been in a Seek First, the Kingdom campaign, and we're so excited just to see the outworking of that in our church. And I just thought this is such, because we're in the Proclaimed Kingdom. If you've been with us in our series, we're again in this next P. We're almost done this, and it's been such a, a great little run here. But the Proclaimed the proclaim Kingdom, just as you look at how it relates again to obviously what we're trying to do as a church. This is, this is what's happening just right now in our church. I want you to be aware of. Many people will not be aware of the different things that are happening. And this list could be probably 10 times as long as this as well. But some highlights that I want you to be encouraged by is, again, we understand what it means to be a part right now of the proclaimed kingdom, claiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we right now, we have a missions team and a missions conference in South Asia. They are ministering to People, leaders, pastors who have so little in a country that we can't even name at this point just because of the protection of the people that are there and the so few Christians, but we have a team there right now ministering to them in Jesus' name. We have a pastoral team at a leaders and pastors conference in Romania, our sister church in Brela right there as they are hosting a couple hundred pastors and leaders across Romania and different surrounding countries as well, and they are they're currently, they're kind of getting, gearing up. They'll be sleeping now, but waking up for their Sunday morning service in a few hours. That's happening right now. Um, just got word this week, too. Maybe you did as well. You saw our kind of go time update, but we're making room. Our Harvest Kids Camp has sold out in whatever it was, a couple hours, whatever it was last night. But then we also are seeking to include 50 children from refugee families that are new to Canada and here in our care and through a ministry, especially to Muslims that we have in this, and just so excited for that too, as we seek to proclaim the kingdom. A free Indian conference was uh, seen in different satellites around here, but it's going out to Alberta in just a couple of weeks to minister to a whole other group of men as well, and other churches calling in actually this week to see if they could use it as their men conference where they are, just the different ways that God is moving and working by his grace. We have a biblical counseling conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Again, another way to proclaim the kingdom and equip and and encourage the church, because you remember our seek campaign, S-E-E-K, to send people, to equip people, to encourage, again, the church, all for the kingdom. Our Harvest Market, just make sure you're aware of this. This is our food pantry here at the church, serving 34 families a week for the sake of the blessing of the kingdom and ministering the gospel. We have Hamilton prayer meetings coming up right now, just with the idea of searching the Lord for what he might want us to do in the city of Hamilton, which in some ways has gone on for many years. We're just continuing to ask the Lord, a large group of people from our church who care about this so much, again, to see the kingdom advance and grow in partnership with different movements. Again, 26 baptisms over the past two weekends here. That is a huge encouragement of God's kingdom and what he's doing in our midst right now. I want you to be so encouraged by that. And I want to point out this too, is that part of this whole seek first, this service right now, the service that we're in right now, everything we're doing is ultimately for the same purpose and goal and seeing the kingdom advance for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single person we pray is a part of that. And so be encouraged with that, loved ones right now. This is all a part of what it means to belong to the proclaimed kingdom or within the proclaimed kingdom of Jesus Christ. So this is exciting, and I pray that you are encouraged, again, getting a bit more perspective of what God is calling us to do. So, as has been said many times already, the proclaimed kingdom, that is the, the P right now. As you look behind me and you can see, again, 
the outline that is there and been there the whole time. There's one P missing that is coming next week, Lord willing, as we see this series again conclude and excited for that, the perfected kingdom. But listen to this, okay? The proclaimed kingdom, with all of history summarized in this series, the proclaimed kingdom is the P that we are living in right now. This is the one P right now, again, that we are actually a part of as in time and space. So let's understand this. When Jesus died and rose again, when Jesus died and rose again, think of it this way, everything was in place for full restoration to God to happen, right? Jesus died, he paid for sin. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated death, and at that point, he could offer eternal life to all who believed in him and received the gift of grace by faith. So all that was required after Jesus again died and rose again was for people to receive this gift and then live forever. What Jesus does is he ascends to heaven again after his resurrection, but he does not leave us as orphans, he says. Rather, he gives us and fills us, those who are alive in Jesus Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit. That was on the day of Pentecost, outlined in the book of Acts. And this is what began after, again, Pentecost, the giving of the Spirit of God. This begins what the Bible calls the last days. Uh, we are living currently right now in the last days. This is the period of time before the second coming of Jesus Christ when he returns. And there's no more opportunity to be alive in Jesus. There's no more opportunity to receive the message of life. So we're in this last chance, these last days. And it's extended thus far for 2,000 years, and we do not know how long it will last. We know Jesus is coming soon, as the Bible says. So what it, the New Testament tells us, and Jesus indicates this, there would be a delay before Jesus comes a second time. Now understand this. The reason Jesus delays is that as many people as possible would hear the gospel, believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, and then be saved. I mean, if you and I, if you want to be humbled right now, you just consider that fact. Jesus Christ, again, he has not come. Think about this. When he first ascends to heaven 2,000 years ago, if you want to be humble, just consider that the Lord Jesus Christ, the God over the universe, was thinking of you if you're alive right now in him. If you're a save right now in Jesus Christ, he thought of you 2,000 years later. You, of course, and I had no idea we'd even exist in a continent away in a nation that wasn't even close to being founded, 1,850 years later, Canada will be founded. And here we are, and God thought of you, and he didn't come yet because he had you. If you're saved in Christ right now, truly speaking, genuinely, he thought of you and loved you and has waited that you and I, if we're alive in Jesus Christ, not by works, but by faith, and we would know that we are children of God as we heard again today. This, this is the proclaimed kingdom. That right now by the Holy Spirit, we would listen, we would take the message of Jesus Christ to the nations. This is what it means to understand the proclaimed kingdom. And I just want to go through again this chart that we've been walking through this whole time. And we saw again in Eden the pattern and then sin ruined it all. And then God makes promises to Abraham, Abram, Abraham, and going up, and he fulfills it partially through his people. And we see that exodus right through the monarchy of the kings of David and Solomon. 
But then they mess up and that goes downhill. But then God says, I will send my son. Again, through Jesus Christ, we see through the prophesied kingdom, the, the, the prophecies made, and then the present kingdom last weekend, Jesus comes on earth to fulfill what we could not. And then Jesus ascends into heaven, and now we find ourselves in the proclaimed kingdom where we take the message of what Jesus has done. We take what he has done, and now we proclaim it to all who want to hear, to those who want to be saved from sin, and to, and, and, and to know life in Jesus Christ. So just to get, I want to get this clear before we are. Let's go to the next slide right here. In Vaughn Roberts' book, here's what we understand is the reality of our model of God's people, place, and rule, and blessing. This is where we are now, in, right now today, in the proclaimed kingdom for those who are alive in Jesus Christ, right? So we saw in the Garden of Eden with sin, sin ruined all this, but now we see fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Who are God's people actually right now? God's people is the church, not the building, the people. Believers, again, believers belonging to the true church of Jesus Christ, representing every nation. Amen, church? Just like in this room right now, so many dozens of nations represented, fulfilling what Christ came to do. What's God's place? God's place isn't the temple now. God's place wasn't the tabernacle anymore. God's place isn't this building. God's place, point to God's place if you're alive in Jesus. Where's God's place? Right here, man, the heart, the heart. God's place is again the church. The church, which now we are temples of God's spirit. I mean, even these two points right here, right? You sit back long enough, you're like, wow, that's so, that's amazing. That is beautiful. Remember, you don't come to the building to worship. You are the worship. We happen to gather as the church in this tool, which is the building, but we come together in a field, in a jungle, and this place right now doesn't matter. You fill with God's spirit. You are the church. Come together as the church. And then God's rule and blessing, this is so awesome. God's rule and blessing now is happening in the spirit of God as we are engaged in relationship with him. I mean, just, just, think, just, just think about that. We are in, if you are saved, then Christ. Why do you keep saying that, Rob? You gotta keep, if you are saved, because if you're not saved, that's not true for you. I'm not talking you show up to church a couple of times a, a, a year. I'm not talking if you know about God. Do you actually know? We heard that in the testimonies today so many times. So many people go through life, and they say, I knew about God. I knew a couple of things I should do maybe for God, but I never actually knew God. I was not alive. I didn't have fruit. I didn't have a relationship. That's why I keep saying that. I take nothing for granted. Most of us in here, I pray, are alive in Jesus Christ. Some of us are not right now alive in Jesus Christ. You don't have God's spirit. You're not saved. There is no reality of heaven coming, but you can. You can have all of that in Jesus Christ if you place your faith in him for the forgiveness of sins. This is the proclaimed kingdom. This is the time we live in right now. So what we're going to do today because in some ways I was getting very tired in a good way, but also trying to cover so many books and so many chapters. And we got to go through Acts, through most of Revelation today. We're going to take one chapter of God's word and go through it to see a synopsis and a powerful summary of what it means to be part of the proclaimed kingdom. Let's get our Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to walk through this chapter. We're going to break this chapter down into four sections and see four aspects of the proclaimed kingdom. I'm not going to interact with every verse. I can't do that for time's sake. But I want to pull out a couple of verses from each section. And I pray we will be transformed by an understanding of the substantiation of the proclaimed kingdom. Here's what we see first 
from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as it relates to the proclaimed kingdom. Loved ones, we have four things that we are proclaiming. Number one is this. As believers in Jesus Christ, genuinely saved, we proclaim light over darkness. That is the message that we proclaim in a dark world. We proclaim light over darkness. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4, okay? Read the verses. We'll unpack most of them as we go, okay? Therefore, Paul says, he wrote this, having this ministry by the mercy of God. What's the mercy of God? It's the gospel. It's the good news. That we're forgiven of our sins. Notice, we do not lose heart. That bookends this chapter. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We're not going to change God's word. We're not going to say what the culture says. We're not going to go with what's popular according to humanity, which is so pressuring us today. We can't do that, notice why. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience, notice. Our conscience is clear with you, Paul's saying, and in the sight of God, because God is watching. Every person that leaves God's word to be liked by humanity more in our present culture, they are diminishing themselves in the sight of God. They are rejecting God to be pleasers of man. That's a bad, bad plan. Look at verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Look how clear God's word is. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And I love verse 6. I love all these verses. For God who said, notice, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a stunning set of verses. I think, I think it's just like fantastically beautiful. You want somewhere to go in God's word for a little bit of extra homework? It's not homework, man. It's blessed work is what it is. You can sit in this chapter and you can mull it over and you can journal, you can think about it, you can pray about it as I tried to do this week. It's so good, okay? Now, as we go through these verses, be very careful. You say, why? Because your life might change, okay? Your life might change. Notice in verse four, it says this. It says, the God of this world, the God of this world is seeking, notice, to blind the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light. Now, isn't that so interesting? This verse right here explains an immense amount of our world that we live in today. Don't miss the phrase in verse 4, blinded the minds. Why is blinded the minds such an important phrase? Because we live in a battle for the mind. The mind is the battlefield for truth that we see today. That is why our, edu our education systems from preschool, literally, to postgraduate are engaged in a war for the mind. That is why our media is so strongly battling for the mind of ideas. That is why our entertainment industries are propagating a system of belief with an absolute determined agenda. If you watch the Oscars this week, which I did not, but I read about and heard about, I mean, there is without question, there is a system of belief being put forward and they desperately and, 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 and fervently want you to believe it. I mean, make no mistake, man, this is way beyond just being entertained by a couple of movies. There is an absolute system. Everyone believes something. 
And that is coming at us in a furious pace as we're very well aware of. That is why we're surrounded by mass distraction for our young people and all of us, whether young or old. Why? It's a battle for the mind. Satan doesn't care if he pushes you or pulls you. As long as he gets you off Christ. He doesn't care if he needs to push you this way or pull you. If you fall off the cliff, that's what he cackles with most delight in. If he can distract you away from the reality of the world and keep you busy with the mundane and the ridiculousness of staring at your phone for 10 hours a day, he doesn't care. He loves it. He loves it. As long as you don't see the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So many, it's amazing. Without question, what the Bible's telling us, we are in a war of darkness versus light. It's right here in God's word. And that hasn't changed for 2,000 years. In fact, that hasn't changed since the parish kingdom thousands of years ago. There's no guessing what's happening in our world right now. Again, you gotta, there's no guessing. Verse 4 tells us right here. The God of this world is seeking to blind the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light. Okay? And so many in our world right now, some, some, some here right now, right now in this place, you are deathly distracted and deceived and your mind has been blinded from seeing the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe by God's grace, that's why you're here right now. Maybe the love of God would fill you and lift eyes and lift the veil and take off the blindfold to be able to see what life is truly about, found in the glory of Jesus Christ. And that's precisely why, again, verse 5 is there. Look at verse 5. It says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord because Jesus Christ is the one who is the light over darkness. Notice, our proclamation is not some man or woman, please. I'm not holding up some individual around here other than Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only one who can change. No one else can make transformation like we heard tonight. No one else can do that. No one else can move us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Son that God loves and His Son, Jesus Christ. So we proclaim Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. And this blesses me so much here too. Who wrote this letter? Second Corinthians 4 was written by Paul. Paul was arguably and probably unquestionably the greatest missionary who ever lived for Christ. But consider Paul's story. Paul's story in Acts chapter 9, he's on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, to persecute Christians, to throw Christians in jail. And then what does Acts 9 says? On his way to kill Christians, it says, the light from heaven shone around him. The light of Jesus Christ literally came and shone in the darkness of Paul. Paul was deceived, and he was so distracted by his form of religion, legalism, man-made, again, not of Christ, uh, rejecting the new covenant. The light of heaven shines down upon his life, never the same again. He knows what he's talking about here, man. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He said, when you truly see the light of Jesus Christ, and then his entire life from that moment on, God says, I'm using you now to proclaim the light that you just saw my son Jesus Christ, that you might be one of the greatest history makers the world has ever seen. And you're going to suffer for it, Paul. It will come at an immense cost, but it will be an incredible, incredible blessing. This is the gospel. This is our passage. This is the life of Paul, and this is what we are called to do as well. We are called to proclaim light over the darkness. She loves because of the present kingdom, right? The present kingdom, that now we have the proclaimed kingdom. Because of what Christ did, shone his light in this world, now we are to see the proclamation of Christ go forward. Notice in verse 5, we are servants for the sake of others. Our message is in the service of other people to love them in Jesus' name. 
So again, do not miss this in this message right now. Every single one of us believers are called to proclaim light over darkness. Every single one of us who's alive in Jesus Christ have a mission and a calling to proclaim light over darkness. And if you look at verse six, which is so beautiful, this is awesome, ready? Watch this, the pattern of creation, the pattern of creation becomes a picture of new creation in Christ. You say, what do you mean? Look at verse six. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, referring to Genesis one and two, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what's he saying there? Paul says this. The same God who created the physical light is the God who created the spiritual light. The spiritual light found only in the face of Jesus Christ. Every testimony we hear this weekend is a testimony of the light of Christ that is shone in their hearts. And they now have been filled with the knowledge of the glory found in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay? So again, loved ones, don't allow yourself to sit here and get used to hearing life after life being changed. If Jesus wasn't the light of the world, people's lives would not be changed year after year after year, 2,000 years later. But person after person in the billions over time have stood in a baptism tank at one point or another and have expressed in their words, I have seen the light of Jesus. That is why every single believer truly saved in Christ must proclaim the kingdom of God, must proclaim light over the darkness. And notice this too. I love that what Paul's saying here. He's like, hey, the same God who created the world is the same God who understands there's not any person too far for him to save. The same God that spoke and the world came to be is the same God that shines the light of his glory into person after person every day that Jesus Christ has not yet returned. Every day people are being changed across this globe. Don't ever underestimate what God can do. Some of you have already written people off and God's like, really? Really? You're going to write me off? You're going to write me off with saving that individual? I wonder how many would have written off Paul, ah, the, the, the disciples. That guy, well, even when he was saved, they were still like totally afraid and questioned that. We are called to proclaim light over darkness. Number two, we see this. We are called to proclaim life over death. Look at verse seven now. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Look at Paul admitting his frailty in every level. This is just like us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed. Look at this, verse 10. Always carrying the body of death, in the body, the death of Jesus. Why, why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death. This is very, very important, loved ones. Please listen. For we who live in Christ are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. Now this is massive insight. Hey, do you want to understand what it means to live and belong to the kingdom of God? These verses are very, very helpful. The amazing truth of God's kingdom is this. If you are to truly be a part of God's kingdom now, you and I are invited to come and die. 
The invitation from Christ at its most basic form is to come and die to self. Why? That we, though, we might die in Christ and that we might live in Christ, as was expressed today. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live, life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We die in Christ that he might live through us. Verses 10 to 12 are massively important. Listen to this. Paul recognizes he suffers for Christ that through suffering, his life reveals Christ. That's the antithesis of the North American world we live in right now. This is why as we are called to be Christ followers, listen, Jesus says that to take up our cross, to die to self. Our life in Christ is one of constant Dying, dying, that's what the text says. But here's the irony and the miracle of the kingdom, ready? The more we die, the more we actually start to live. That's the part we have to accept so much by faith. Again, look at verse 11 again, okay? For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, for the reason and the result, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. One commentator said this of verse 11. This is one of the deepest principles of our existence in Christ. Hear that. Verse 11 is one of the deepest principles of our existence in Christ. So notice the undeniable principle here. The greater the suffering for Jesus, the greater the manifestation of Jesus within our lives. So you ready, ready? Loved ones, this is why trials come. This is why suffering is permitted. This is why persecution is allowed. Why? Because in those hardships, we become less and Jesus Christ becomes more. In those trials, we are stripped of self. And the more we are stripped of self, then the more we proclaim and shine the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider also then, the easier the church has it, the more ease the church finds itself in, the more ineffective the church will become or at the very least be tempted to sit and relax and not have a sense of dependence and faith truly upon Jesus Christ. So there's a very, very massively important spiritual principle that Paul is presenting, which is a theme of Scripture right here when it comes to the kingdom of God. I've been so blessed in my reading plan in recent weeks. Exodus chapter 1, verse 12, speaking of God's people as they're in slavery and persecution in Egypt. Look at the spiritual principle here like God says. But the more they, his people, the nation of Israel, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. How is that possible? That's God's spiritual laws. The more you try to get rid of his church, the more it will increase. Uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Absolutely. The more the culture tries to squeeze out Jesus Christ and his followers, God will never be defeated by man. God will do whatever he wants. In fact, the harder you try to get rid of him, the ways that he does, man, he works through and miracles and such incredible. I love that truth so much. That's why the persecuted church in China, it's estimated at somewhere 200 million believers in China. And the numbers vary. I'm just telling you, whatever it is, 
the amount of genuine believers in China are several times the entire population of Canada. I mean, just think about that for a second. Several times, not the population of Christians in Canada, the entire nation of Canada. That's staggering because the more you try to shut the church down, God says, you want to go? Let's go. And I'll change more lives because I'll never be stopped. And he won't be. That's why, loved ones, right now, you can look around our culture right now and you can choose to be scared or you can choose to get excited. I, I, I'll just be honest, I waver between those things sometimes. I'm like, oh no, everything's changing, the world's collapsing, and everything happened in the Christian church, and all is going on. And I start to get filled with kind of fleshly fear. And wait, wait, time out, Robbie, time out, wait a second. Have you looked at your God recently? Have you looked at the Word recently? Have you understood what He does? Have you had any sense of the vision of what our Lord, in fact, when times get tougher, God's like, I'm just getting ready to do some pretty awesome stuff, man, in a way I never would have done when you sit on your kind of spiritual couch of apathy and enjoy all the pleasures of life, not seeking me with prayer or passion or any kind of devotion, which is most of the church in the last several years. But now all of a sudden it's getting tougher. Now all of a sudden the heat's being turned up. Now all of a sudden you're actually in a conversation today identifying if I stand with Christ, I am not with the world. And I'm telling you, it's a bit of tension. But in that moment, you can trust in the Lord and trust in yourself. I'm telling you, man, we're all there right now. We're all, you feel it like I do. And this is when, this is when, do you think, you, you really think Jesus is gonna be like, oh no, man, I'm dead. Oh no, the Canadian culture is turning against me. What will I ever do? No, he doesn't, he doesn't, because he's God. He does whatever he wants. And I tell you, he will work through the lowly. He will work through the despised. He will work through those who are nothing. And he's like, perfect. Because those, I bless are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is the way our God works. And we're seeing right here in this text a fundamental, powerful principle. The worse it gets in many ways, the more the Lord is going, God give us faith. Amen, church? Give us faith to believe that now in the time we live could be one of the most impactful, fruitful, and exciting times ever. Why? Because we are steadily being stripped of self, I pray, that we would more and more shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at, look at verse 12. He summarizes, So death is at work in us, but life in you. Wow, so by our death, we proclaim Christ. Interesting, interesting. Let me ask you a question right now of, of application. Where in your life are you fighting against dying? You know what I mean? Where is the Lord leading you to like a grain of wheat fall to the earth. Where is the Lord asking you to take up your cross? Where is the Lord asking you to, by faith, die a little more that he might shine a little brighter? For some of us, he's asking us to die in our idolatry of ease and comfort. For some of us, he's asking us to die in our uh, obsession with earthly security. For some of us, he's asking us to die in our just our wants and our desires and our, and our, and our, our, our obsession with, again, pleasures around us. To be liked by humanity. I'm telling you, where in your life is God asking you to die a little more that he might shine a little brighter through your life? Now, the nerve I just poked at right there will be the difference between those used of Christ and those left on the bench to do very little of anything. 
loved ones, just, just take enough moments right now to say, the reason your life has not borne really any fruit for Jesus Christ is this right here. You are not willing to die because you love yourself more than Christ. I'm just saying it like it is because I know my own heart. That's the reason. You can use all the excuses you want. I work too much. Family's too many kids. got too many activities. You Whatever you want to say, whatever you want. But the, but the base reason is, we love ourselves more than we love Christ. Therefore, we place our faith in self as opposed to faith in Christ. We're not willing to die because we don't really want to count the cost because we don't really believe Jesus says who he is. We don't really believe eternity's coming. We don't really believe again what matters is living for Christ as opposed to this, this, this silly earth that we're on right now. And so we don't proclaim. We don't proclaim life over death because at the end of the day, we want the death of this world more than we want the life of Jesus Christ. I'm being, I'm being bold because I need to be based on God's word right now. And we need to be honest with ourselves why, again, we're not seeing the things that we desire to see. Number three, we proclaim this. We proclaim faith over unbelief. Faith over unbelief. Verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, notice this. Watch the theme here. According to what has been written, I believed, watch this, I believe so I spoke, quoting Psalm 16. We also believe, Paul says, and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. This is, this is so good. I mean, these verses are so good. Paul quotes Psalm 116, and notice the point he's making. He says, the psalmist says, uh, my faith was so strong, I couldn't help but speak. See that? I believe, so I spoke. If you truly believe, you got to speak. Do you have conviction on Jesus Christ? If you truly have conviction in Christ and you have faith, well, then your faith must speak. The faith can't remain silent. The faith, if it's real, it comes out. It comes out from us. And what Paul says there, he says, we also believe. So just like the psalmist, we believe, and so we speak as well. So what he's saying here is, ready? If I believe in the present kingdom, I must be part of the proclaimed kingdom. There's no exceptions to this. If I really believe Jesus died and rose again, then I'm called with my life to proclaim the idea and the reality and the truth that Jesus died and rose again. Because that's the whole point of my life. That's the point of my existence. To tell others of the salvation that I found in Jesus Christ. Ready? Every single believer here right now has been sent by Christ to speak for Christ. Every person. You will not put this on me alone. You will not just say, that's the pastor's job. No, 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 no. That is my job, but it's also your job as well. Every single believer here in Jesus Christ right now, you have been saved by Christ to speak for Christ by his spirit as well. Now let's apply that to the preacher now, okay? Think of, we believe so we spoke. The greater faith and conviction you have in God's word, how can you but speak anything else? Like even as I preach this right now, I am so filled with conviction. I believe this so much. I know the cost in some ways. I know what's happening as the light is shining in different places of darkness. I understand that people will hate me for it. I can't but help say the things that I know and believe are true in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when the church or the preacher fails to believe with conviction, there's no passion, there's no boldness, there's no truth, and they start closing the Bible because they want to be liked by more people, and the Holy Spirit leaves, and their church is left empty and nothing, and no one's being baptized. Because God's not there anymore. But the greater the conviction, the greater boldness and passion there must be for the things of Jesus Christ. It's right here in the word, man. I believed, and so I spoke. And if we believe, loved ones, we're not hammering people with the Bible. We're not, we're not being harsh. 
We're not being legalistic. We're not trying to condemn and hurt people. No, no. But we love people. And we must proclaim faith. Faith. In the midst of a world of unbelief. We don't think we're better than anyone because we know it's just by God's grace. And we don't even understand it fully. How is the fact that we're saved at all? And we apply that humility to the lives of those that we encounter and we love them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we say to them with wonder, I don't understand how I'm saved, but I I just want to tell you, I want to tell you, he who saved me. We don't judge, we love. Notice, why was Paul so bold? Paul puts his secret right here into his boldness of his faith. Look at verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus, knowing he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. I mean, I mean, isn't this an awesome chapter? I mean, look at every verse is like just jammed with incredible passion, inspiration, and truth. He says, I know this. I know, I know that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is going to bring us also, going to raise us and to be with you in his presence. That is so good. So what, what? When you're guaranteed your future in Christ, when you know you will be in the presence of Christ, that tends to change things. Like when you know where you're going, that should change things. We sang a lot about that today. When you know the reality in Jesus Christ, what happens? Well, all of a sudden you get pretty bold. When you are guaranteed your direction in heaven for glory and that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you also have been raised and you will be raised and you will be in his presence forever. Well, then all of a sudden, the person who's kind of like really angry at you for whatever, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, if, if, like if you die at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. To live as Christ, to die is gain, Paul said. What matters is you're, you're with Christ. And then with the proper perspective then, with the proper perspective, Everything becomes so different. And notice the result here in verse 15. Notice, notice. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Isn't that so true? So we saw that this week in right baptisms, right? And bless you, bless you all who were baptized. You're such a blessing to me, man, and such a blessing to our church. And what happens is the more we see God's grace extend, every, every life standing up is grace, their grace. And we're all like, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And who gets the glory? Not man. God does. We're all like, God, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. God, you, you're amazing. You do that, God. And every light that has changed is more grace, more thanksgiving, more glory to God. That's why we proclaim. Because the glory to God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the thankfulness of our lives for God's grace grows and grows and grows right there in verse 15. That's why we proclaim. That's why we proclaim. Fourthly, we are called to proclaim light over darkness, life over death, faith over unbelief. And lastly, we, call, we, are, we proclaim glory over gloom. Glory over gloom. Look at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. There's the book. And remember how it started in, in verse 1? You want to you not be discouraged? Paul's giving you the secret, man. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And who else loves these verses? Isn't this amazing? So what's happening right here within this passage is Paul is speaking. This is an important theological term, okay? 
and I want to teach it to you quickly right here, okay? What's happening right here is Paul is, is expressing there's an already aspect of the kingdom of God within us, and there's a not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. This is all through scripture, okay? There's an already aspect of God's kingdom in us who are saved in Christ. But there's a not yet portion that is, that is yet to come, okay? So what happens is here is you have, again, Von Roberts used, I add a little bit to this. The first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, okay? The, the present age, the age we are living in, dominated because of sin, of sin, death, and Satan. Jesus Christ comes. He comes to bring eternal life. He provides, again, the possibility because of his death and resurrection, he provides the opportunity now for eternal life, victory, and glory. So what you have, you have this already. If we are alive in Jesus Christ, in the proclaimed kingdom, we, we are alive. We have eternal life, the already aspect. And yet we're still fighting against sin on some level. We still see death around us. But the day is coming. You have, you have the age to come seeping in to the already. But the not yet, the not yet is where there's no sin and no death and no Satan and full eternal, full victory and full glory. So this is what it means. There's the already that we're living in of God's kingdom, but there's the not yet. We're longing for the time where it will be fully completed. And there we are together again, understanding what's coming to us. This is what Paul's doing right now. He's saying we are alive, we have glory, we understand all this, and yet we groan. Though our inner, our outer self is wasting away. Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. I've always, always loved that verse. Our outer self is wasting away. Anyone in the room wasting away right now? Um, um, that should be all of us. Thank you. Hey, don't leave me up here like that, okay? This week I'm wasting away, man. I'm wasting away. I, I, I tweak my back. That's like, I hate when you do that, you know, and all of a sudden everything hurts to walk. You know, my children continually show me how many more gray hairs I have on a daily basis, it seems. You know, I have arthritis through my hands, whatever it is. I find my knee joint got uh, hurt and all that kind of stuff, whatever. And then this week, I remember I was, I was wrestling. My girls are nine and seven right now. I was wrestling with them and they were fired up. It was pretty fun. And we're in our bedroom on the bed and stuff like that. And I, I dominated that wrestling match, man. It was amazing. And my wife, Jill looks over me and she says, way to go, Robbie. You can beat your nine-year-old and seven-year-old daughters. Yeah, good for you. I said, I got to take the victories when I can, right? My boys are, what, 14 and 12? They're already starting to beat me up. You know what I'm saying? What's happening? Because I'm wasting away. I'm wasting away. But, 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 I'm being renewed day by day. Are you? I mean, day by day, I'm being renewed. Yeah, this whole thing's falling apart. Everything here is just depressing. But, 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 the truth of Christ. I am being renewed because I'm alive in Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you are too. It's awesome. Amen. That's hope. That's our hope. And notice because of that, again, look what the text says. It says in verse 17, this is when we can look at the light momentary affliction. You see, again, there's like this, this, the trials of this world, when compared to glory, are light and momentary. They're light and momentary, right? Bless you. No sneezing in heaven, I bet. I bet you. <laughs> I bet you, right? When compared to glory, these trials of the earth are seen as nothing. Nothing. Paul is so powerfully led by the Lord in everything he's saying. to say, listen, this is why we proclaim we proclaim this message, and this is why we proclaim, because we're not afraid, and because we have everything, again, given to us, and then everything to live for in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every single believer here in Jesus Christ is called to proclaim. Let me ask you this one question, and I finish with this. One last question. When is the last time you were used to lead someone to Jesus Christ? All believers in the house right now, when was the last time that God used you to lead someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ? And for some of us, say it's been a while. For some of us, it's been never. Do you think the Holy Spirit wants to change that? Do you not think there's people in our lives? We don't do it, man. The Holy Spirit does it in us. Do you think that anyone is limited from what God can do? Do you not think that every person alive in Jesus Christ right now, that God wants to use you where you are in ways that humans cannot explain, that you will allow to see someone again? You'll be rejected along the way like I am, and I get rejected on a weekly basis proclaiming Christ when I have the courage to do so by God's Spirit. That's not the point. The point is God will lead people into our lives that are desperately in need. We saw that in the baptism tank tonight. A friend being used to bless another friend. And now she's standing up proclaiming life in Jesus Christ because Erica knew she was part of the proclaimed kingdom. That's it. So now it comes to faith. I'm telling you right now, it comes down to faith. Will we have faith in ourselves or will we have faith in the Lord? I believed and therefore I spoke. God, help us to proclaim your kingdom in love and gentleness. Let's pray. God, help us to proclaim your kingdom. Help us to understand how short the time is, but I pray. I pray for an overwhelming sense of love for Jesus and an overwhelming sense of love for the lost and an overwhelming sense of your power and your faith and your glory as a result, Lord, not our own. Would you do that, Lord? Would you take this incredible chapter of your word Would you use this church? Would you give us courage? I know, I know it's hard. I know it's scary at times. I feel it every day. But again, it's why the Holy Spirit is the difference maker. If we need to repent right now, let's do that. But no, you will be forgiven in, in, in a nanosecond by Jesus. And he wants to use us. And loved ones, I pray right now too, as we respond in this song, would you, would you make every word count in this song? Every word counts in this series that we have been through. Make every word count as a prayer. This song's a prayer. Again, again, refuse to stand and just sing without understanding what you're singing. Make every word count as a prayer to our God that he might be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.